0: from the american college of financial services it's time for next gen in 10. i'm ross riskin chair of the next gen advisory task force and for the next 10 minutes you'll be joined by our hosts and guests discussing topics relevant to up-and-coming financial advisors
1: hey all it's alana phillips with the american college's next gen advisory task force and i am here today with kate healy from TD Ameritrade and Krali Woodford from LPL Financial. Thanks for
2: being here. Thanks for having us, Alana.
1: It's great to be here with you, Alana, and nice to see you, Kate. I'm excited for this discussion. So as we're talking about our next-gen advisors that you both are very actively involved in, there is a lot of discussion about the future. Our world has changed a lot. Global pandemic, civil unrest, there's so much that has affected our industry. So as we think about new advisors and those in the sort of survival phase of their career, why should they choose financial services and why should they stay? What do you think the opportunity looks like in the next 2 to 5 years, Kate?
2: I mean, when we think about a growing profession, this is it. The the growth in financial planning is twice other jobs according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. So it's really a place that people need to come. There is so much need for advice in this country. You know, one of the things that I often think about is when advisors are thinking about expanding their firms, they always look at a new market or a new target. Sometimes they have to look at how do they work with the next generation of the families that they already work with. And they have a hard time figuring out what that service offering should look like. They don't always have to base everything on an AUM model. The next generation wants advice that doesn't always have to be about money.
1: What you mean in these conversations with an advisor? As a millennial client, Kate, I could ask some questions like about my professional development and my relationships and things that aren't related to money.
2: It's absolutely what they want and they're willing to pay subscription fees, monthly fees, retainer fees to help them Judge whether or not they should go back to school for a master's degree. How do they ask for a raise at work or negotiate a salary or stock options? There are so many things that are a little bit ancillary to finance. Oftentimes we hear them asking things like, I want to have a certain quality of life, but I'm in tech. I have to live in Palo Alto. Now this is obviously before the pandemic, but they're asking questions like how can I better raise my family in a place that's going to be more conducive to a better work-life balance for me? And, you know, should I get a master's degree when I already have student loan debt? What is that cost-benefit analysis? Really helping them with the skills like negotiation. Do they lease a car? Do they buy a car? There are so many different types of things that are really starting to get into more of the behavioral focus. It's not just the finance. We know there are great advisors who can pick stocks, but there are also great algorithms that can do a lot of the investment piece. And a lot of clients don't really want to pay attention to are they beating the market or not? They want to know if they can achieve their goals. And that goal may be retirement, it may be education, it may be traveling around the world. That's what's more relevant to them. And so really focusing on the behaviors that are going to get them to those decision points.
1: So I hear a shift for those that maybe think of finance in this bubble of just talking about rates of return and insurance and investments that really the opportunity expands to folks and appeals to those who want to help with you know more of a financial therapist, financial consultant, this behavior management. That's a totally different piece of it. And I think appeals to the next generation in a way that we haven't really been able to appeal to them before. So, Crayley, you always talk about this trifecta that we have right now, what do you think about the opportunities in the industry?
3: Look, I, I think this is a great time to be getting into this business and and to be thinking about and building a career as a financial advisor. You're right. I mean, when I when I think about the opportunity at hand, I really look at three different aspects of it. Right. So the the first is the fact that wealth is growing and will continue to grow. So right now, the advisor intermediated market is about twenty four trillion in assets, and we expect that to grow over the next ten years to thirty trillion in assets. So the The wealth is there. Coupled with the fact that we're also at a time where if we look at the current advisor population, many of them up to, you know, 30% are planning to retire within the next 10-year period as well. So as wealth is growing, we're also going to see a gap in trained professionals who can deliver the type of advice that clients are looking for. And that brings the third piece, which is really client expectations continue to grow and the demand for trusted advice is Kate talked about and advice across the spectrum is in demand. And so I I think if you think about those three things and you're thinking about building a career in this business, it's a great time to be starting a career as a financial advisor for sure.
0: Learn how to give your clients the retirement security they need and become the go-to expert in all things retirement with our Retirement Income Certified Professional Designation. Visit theamericancollege.edu slash RICP to learn more.
1: We keep seeing those numbers, right? The average age is creeping up. We see the stats on a third of them will retire in the next 10 years. I think the pandemic is personally gonna catalyze a lot of those advisors retiring early, but do you think it will? I think there's some debate on this. What's gonna happen with those advisors? Will they stay longer? Will they leave early?
3: I think it's a great question. Alana. I don't know that I know the answer, but one of the things we've been talking a lot about is this idea of creating a modern practice and what does a modern practice look like, right? And I, I think there are lots of elements to that, that if you think about what people are looking for, our clients are looking for a variety of people, whether it's a variety of specialties and kind of services or types of advice, maybe it's a variety of demographics that they can trust right and and so this idea of a modern practice it's not just who's involved and kind of the specialties and the specialists themselves that are delivering it. But it could also be to your point, the technology that's included as well, right? And I think if anything that COVID and and this pandemic have taught us is that we all can stay connected via Zoom. Um, You know, we can kind of uh, connect it and bond and establish trusted relationships in a virtual world, right? And I think all of those things are gonna begin to shape what a modern practice continues to look like over the next three, five, 10 years.
1: Thank you for bringing up technology, Crayley, because I think this is a huge part of the future. Why choose this industry? Why stay in this industry if you're at that survival phase in your career? Kate, when I think of TD Ameritrade, I think of great technology. I have to imagine that that technology piece for you and, and your team has to be important. What's the vision for the future of our industry in terms of technology?
2: You know, Crayley hit it on the head, right? It is all about technology. We have seen a huge quickening of adoption of technology, which has been phenomenal. It's also elevated the next-gen advisor by age to a higher status within the advisory firm because they get it. They've been doing this forever. They grew up on technology. So when the older advisors are a little confused about how to set up a client meeting, that next generation just gets to come in and be the expert on something, which is phenomenal. And I think that it's going to continue. What we're also seeing is the client engagement with technology has been phenomenal. Instead of requiring a client to have a couple get in a car and drive to an advisor's office, we're seeing clients meet with advisors on a Zoom call or some kind of video call, and only one of them might be in the room, but the other one pops their head in and says, hi. But also the advisor is seeing the kid run through the backyard, or they're getting a much bigger feeling for what the family is really about. They see what books they're reading when they look at the bookshelves behind them, or they might notice that, hey, grandma's there. Does grandma live with them? I never knew that. Is that someone we should start to talk about as we're talking about the planning? It's allowed them to be in clients' homes and in a way that they never could before. So you think about the personalization of that relationship. It's actually done a huge amount to help advisors really start to form greater bonds with their clients. And clients love it because they don't have to drive to the advisor's office.
3: Alana, I think the other thing that often comes up when you start talking about technology in this business is a concern that technology is going to disintermediate advisors, right? And and I think it's really important to talk about the fact that technology shouldn't be a replacement for a, a trusted relationship or an advisor. It's actually in complement to that that relationship, right? And I think that's the way we look at it is whether it is video conferencing or kind of digital tools that help you stay connected, whether it is additional tools that, as Kate was was talking about, clients can engage with that kind of help deepen the conversations that they're having. Lots of different ways technology can come into play, but I think the most important takeaway there is that it is about how advisors, next-gen or existing advisors, and their clients can use technology in addition to help strengthen the relationships they have.
1: Yeah, so right on. I feel like often advisors are concerned and I think it goes back to a scarcity mindset that they're going to be replaced by technology. But Kate, to your point, what I think we've seen in this massive shift to virtual meetings and digital business is that it has created an opportunity for more authenticity. And I think our industry needed that. So when we talk about the future, Do you think that this authenticity will stick? And I joke, like, we're on this podcast together and we're in our homes and, you know, we're on, we see people's pictures of their family and they're wearing yoga pants on the bottom. And, you know, will this connection into each other's lives and the authenticity be a piece that sticks?
2: I think so, right? How are we going to take this away? Totally keeping the yoga pants, but I want to meet with people and I want to start to understand that. I think it's also, it's creating a better awareness and perception of the industry because for those of us who are in it, we know this is one of the most personal businesses you can be in. People don't talk about money. So if you're talking about money and your family finances with your advisor, you're going really deep. So this is just allowing people to, to realize that that's what this relationship is about and that advisors are there to help you live your best life. The technology piece isn't gonna go away. The personalization is also gonna make this so much more attractive to other people. When I talk about the next generation, I actually, my, my definition is broader. So it's not by age. My next generation is anyone who's not here today. So that includes people of color. It includes women who are returning to the workforce after raising a family or people returning from the military. It includes career changers. It's basically anyone who's not here today. And I think that technology is allowing us to be present to more markets than we were in the past. We don't have to be geographically in the right place. So if you're going to a financial planning program that's at a remote school somewhere you can still work with clients you can still work with advisors you can do internships virtually so i think that this piece of it of us getting more personal we're all learning how to do that and we're going to be able to do that and learn how we can hire people who may only be able to work four days a week or three days a week or two hours at home and three hours in the office It's just bringing a much more human element to a profession that we know is human, but not everyone else does. And it's allowing us to tell that story in a greater way.
0: Interested in incorporating a goals-based approach to how you deliver financial planning and investment advice? Well, the Wealth Management Certified Professional designation will help you get there. Elevate the value you add for clients at theamericancollege.edu slash WMCP.
1: Yeah, I think the humanization of our industry was so, so key. And I do feel like I'm living my best life, Kate, in my yoga pants every day (laughs) with no shoes on. So I hope that that best life will stay if I get a vote for what we wear going back to the office, I'm voting yoga pants. And I think you're right. We're going to appeal to a whole different group because for a mom to stay at home and take care of her children and be able to wear yoga pants on Zoom, that's such a, a different model than we've ever really been interested.
2: Or a dad can stay home. You know, or this is what, what we do is for, it's for the family. It's not for either or, it's for the family.
1: I love that. Thank you. Or a dad can stay home. Let's just emphasize that one more time in his yoga pants. So <laughs> Craley, to to wrap up this authenticity idea, do you think that we will keep this humanized, authentic version of our industry going forward.
3: I absolutely do. And I think it's because it's what clients want. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, when you think about this profession that we've been talking about being a financial advisor, financial advisors exist to help and serve clients right and so at the core what they're doing is putting their clients needs and interests at the heart of everything they do each day and authenticity trust connection relationship those are the words that i think matter and so to me that part of the business isn't changing and you know I, there there's always been speculation that robots are going to replace us and that an algorithm will be better at helping someone through you know a, a down market than a, a human is but robots and algorithms aren't going to be the one that i talk to when i find out that my mother's passed away and i don't know what to do right i think that is at the heart and the center of everything that our advisors are doing and it's really um, coaching counseling guiding people through moments that matter to them and that to me it's never going to go
1: away Yeah. I am so inspired. If I was questioning, if I was going to stay in this industry, I feel like the opportunity is so clear, right? What's going to change in our landscape? Why would you choose this industry? Why should you stay? If you're a next-gen advisor, you have to stick it out. Even if it's hard right now, technology is working in your favor. Succession planning is going to go your direction. There's new markets that need your help, and it's going to be so much more Authentic, more humanized, and that financial life planning, not just us talking about the numbers, is so, so critical. And what a cool place to work and and build your business. So, Kate and Crayley, thank you for your insight and inspiration on that today.
2: Thanks, Alana. It was a great podcast. I learned so much.
1: Thanks, Alana. Me
2: too.
0: For more episodes, visit our website at theamericancollege.edu slash podcasts. This has been Next Gen in 10, brought to you by the American College of Financial Services.